You're listening to The Final Call with Chelsea Mendelson and Anthony Ferrero. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of The Final Call. Chelsea Mendelson, alongside Anthony Ferrero, as always. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, seven episodes in. Um, want to talk about, you know, just to start, I mean, there's not a ton of things happening in the sports world right now. I mean, we just had the baseball trade deadline. There wasn't a ton there, but we're going to start with basketball. And I think, honestly, some of the biggest basketball news right now is um, the Bronny James situation. Um, obviously, like, thoughts and prayers go to their family. Um, if you haven't heard, if you're living under a rock, um, he was practicing with USC, which is his, you know, new team that he's on in college. Um, and he had a sudden cardiac arrest, um, was rushed to the hospital, um, and he was just discharged from the hospital today as we're recording this on um, the 27th of July. Um, so hopefully he's okay. Um, it definitely changes the landscape of what people thought was going to happen with his college career. Cause now does he play this season? But that's so unimportant in the scheme of things, just worried about his health and his well being. Yeah. Uh, first off, just glad he's okay. Yeah. I'm glad he and his family and everything is going okay right now. Um, I think everything is likely on track for him to keep going. Um, I, you know, obviously it was bad, um, but by all signs, he's doing okay. And he's yeah. going to bounce back fine. If anything, maybe he doesn't end up going one and done. Yeah. Maybe he does miss a little bit of time, or maybe he has not as much stamina and endurance to get through the year. And so he wants to stay for an additional year. That could be something to watch, but otherwise, it looks like everything is good. Thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, he is doing okay now. And back to business, taking it easy, taking it light for the next yeah. little bit of time while he kind of gets gets his wheels back under him. But thankfully, it seems everything is okay and keep going on. Yeah, and I think this is one of those things that um, even if he was still playing at the level that he has been, but his name wasn't LeBron James Jr. I think this would still be newsworthy, um, especially if he was still like, you know, number 20 at his, I think at his position or maybe just in the class in general uh, in the country. Um, So he's a really solid player. um, But even if he wasn't, this is something you absolutely hate to see. Um, And it's something that I feel like we hear happen to one athlete every year. Um, at multiple different levels, you know, Demar Hamlin, just in January, kind of a similar situation, a little bit different. Um, that was obviously in a game um, at the professional level, but um, you know, it's just it's it's definitely concerning, um, you know, for these athletes. What does it mean for his livelihood? I mean, outside of how he is on the court. Um, you know, how does this change his life moving forward? And, and, you know, I'm just, we're just absolutely hoping for the best for him and his family. And, um, you know, ideally he doesn't miss too much time because he's just a fun player to watch on the court. And he has been someone that people have looked forward to seeing at the D one level. Um, so really hoping he doesn't miss too much time, but at the same time, you know, you, you want him to take as long as he needs 
to be 100% okay to play again. It's definitely a shock. I think that's the biggest thing for him. Mm-hmm. It's entirely different. And so to be able to get back up, to know that everything is okay, you kind of have to rebuild confidence almost because that really shakes your confidence. That's something oh, you yeah. weren't expecting. Uh, fix kind of what was let down in a way, right? Your confidence gets shaken. You have to build it back up that you're going to be okay and that everything is fine from here on out. I assume he'll get there. I don't, you know, I don't know how he's doing other than he is better than he was, you know, 24 hours ago, that he's healthy. He's going to be just fine. And so outside of that, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Some adjusting is going to be needed to take place, but Either way, you know, we mentioned it. Glad he's okay. Glad, you know, things are getting back to the way they were. Glad he's healthy. Um, Definitely a scare. But you mentioned it. We've seen it with athletes. I know, especially in the basketball court, Keontae Johnson for Florida a couple years ago collapsed on the court. Something happened. Thankfully, he was healthy. He was fine. Went to Kansas State. And then in the second round of the draft. But I think all signs point to him being okay. I don't think his basketball stock really changed from this. I wouldn't say so. We haven't even seen him play yet. I think he's going to be okay basketball-wise. He is okay health-wise. And I think he's going to be just fine. It's just something that you hate to see happen. Glad he's healthy. And we can keep going on from here. Um, And I think with that being said, we'll move on from that. Um, you know, if, if we get more updates and stuff, um, we'll come back in a different episode and talk about it. Um, but as we stick with basketball, um, big news, Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics signs the biggest contract extension in NBA history. One of the biggest contracts in sports history, um, for a guy that a lot of people are not so sure how to feel about. Um, I knew he was eligible for a contract this big. I thought maybe Boston would negotiate him down a little bit just because, uh, I mean, he's the second best player on their team. That's not up for debate. I mean, Jason Tatum is one of the best, like probably a top five player in the league. And now Jalen Brown has this huge extension to basically be his Scotty Pippen. Um, it's just, it's really interesting. Um, and I think it sets a precedent for um, NBA contracts going forward. So, and if, if you could, Chelsea, I'm going to ask you, I don't remember the exact numbers other than the grand total was north of 300 million. Outside of that, I, I don't remember the exact number. So if you can look that up while I'm doing this, that would be very helpful. But Something that is kind of the way it goes in sports in general. We've seen that again this week in football. We might touch on that in a little bit with Justin Herbert, but it's really the next man up mentality for who gets paid. If it is your time and you are deserving in any way, then you're going to get it. That's just how it works. We see that in football with quarterbacks. Whoever's turn it is to get paid, they're more than likely going to make the most, unless they're very clearly not of that level and have shown to not be of that level. Otherwise, you're going to get the most. Whether it's by a million, 500,000, something, you're going to make more than the next guy, just out of respect because of what your team thinks of you. 
this Jalen Brown extension was something that was going to happen. It was in the cards. Like everyone said when all these rumors swirled around with Dame and even just anyone coming to Boston as they fell short again this year, it was the fact that Jalen Brown was eligible for this massive Supermax extension because of all the great things he's done. You know, we talked about it previous episodes, the big like up to 290 million, those contracts. Yeah, Jalen Brown was up for one of those. The up to whatever. He gets up to over 300. Massive, massive number. And so everyone says, that's the biggest contract in basketball history. He's the richest player to ever play. And part of it's like, yeah, does he deserve all that money? No. It's just flat out. I don't think so. Um, I think he deserves a lot of money. He's a great player. I don't want that to come across. But is he deserving of that fully big contract? No. I think some things to keep in mind, the cap is going to go up and more people are going to sign similar extensions to big money. So what looks crazy now will not look crazy a few years down the line. It's still going to be like, whoa, he makes that much, but it's not going to be as wild to see because you're going to see other players also make that much money. I, I think it's something that Boston had to do. If you if Boston didn't do it, then he was going to leave. And I don't think Jalen Brown was fine leaving $50 million at the table. Because that's how much, even if a second team, a different team, were to trade for him and then give him an extension, it still wouldn't be that high. That's part of the new CBA to keep players in their home markets longer instead of them going and ditching for big market teams, was to give them this extra money on this big Supermax deal. That's what Boston had here with Jalen Brown. It's a, it's a deal that you have to make. It's the next man up mentality. And overall, I, congratulations to him. Get your bag, young fella. But, you know, I is he deserving of it? No. Now, he's about to be in a, really his prime. Could he show that he's capable of that? Yes. I think part of that is with the coaching style of Joe Mazzula really working in tandem with Jason Tatum instead of clearly having a one and a number two role. Can you be 1A, 1B? Can you be co-number ones in a way and switch off in that aspect? And if you can, then I think this money and this contract could look justifiable if you're Boston. And I agree with that. Um, the, the numbers are it's it's um, five a five year three hundred and four million dollar contract, and to save you the uh, calculation, that's about sixty point eight million dollars per year. Insane amount of money. Um, but I think everything you said is right, and I think um, a big point that people don't really realize, like if you're a casual sports fan and you hear, Oh, this guy is making the biggest contract in NBA history. And you hear that and you're like, Oh, well he must be the best player in the league. That's not how it works. It's, it's all about cap space. It's at the end of the day, every single sports league, no matter how big or small, even the NCAA is a business and everything is done for money. And typically your team is making more money the more success they have. And the Boston Celtics have been extremely successful in the last few years. Have they won a championship recently, especially with the core they have right now? Absolutely not. But they've gotten so close two years in a row. 
um, and they've been playoff team, a playoff team for as long as they've had this duo. So obviously you're doing something right. And to continue doing something right, you have to re-sign him. And also, don't forget, they traded Marcus Smart, who was a part of that core, for Kristaps Porzingis. And so now they have a slightly different looking core. And so you don't want to change up anymore, especially is Jalen is Jalen Brown, like I said, the best player in the league? No. Does he deserve this money with how he played last year? Maybe not. But can he improve as a player? Is his ceiling really high? Absolutely. And also pay him for what he has given you already. That's what you're seeing with contract extensions like this is you're paying him for how successful he's been while making less money. He earned that contract. He did because he helped their team get as far as they've gotten. And, you know, they're hoping he does that again for the next five years. The big thing with Jalen Brown is he's improved year after year. He's shown improvement. He's been willing to be coachable and improve. The big issue with him really is turnovers and ball control, which can be worked on and fixed a little bit. I think he can, as you mentioned, continue to grow and get better and maybe not reach a level of Jason Tatum. But like I said, get close. If you can run on a 1A, 1B system, to where it's not a clear number one guy, clear number two guy, then I think this could work out really well. And they maybe they both have really good nights. Maybe they both average like 22, 23 points a night instead of having like one guy be like, I'm going to get 30 every night. And the other guy be like, I'm going to get 20 with really good defense. Maybe they both get 25 a night and they just do it together. They're in this together. I think losing Marcus Smart might show that you want Tatum and Brown to be a little bit more ball handlers because we talked about in previous episodes their big flaw was they didn't have a ball handler a real true ball handler point guard to be their number one this might mean they put the ball in the hands of their stars more and of their playmakers Jalen Brown has had that issue of turnovers we might see some more of that this year but if he can work on that this offseason partnered with this contract I think could be massive for the Celtics We talked about it. It's a move really you had to make. He's the next guy up. If you wanted to keep him on this team with zero distractions, put up or shut up, you had to make this type of deal. So it doesn't surprise me that we see it. The price itself is a little surprising, but that's going to be the next thing we see in the NBA over the next three to five years. We're going to see some of these more big deals. And we're going to say, are you kidding me? For that player, he got that much money. It's the new NBA. You better get welcome. And, you know, the cap is constantly going up in not just the NBA, but every single sports league, professional sports league. The cap is constantly going up as these leagues become worth more money, as these players become worth more money. I mean, even the WNBA, who has been criticized for how little they pay their players, their cap is going up constantly, constantly. And, you know, you have to do that to keep up with, you know, constant growth of your league whether that's the nba whether that's wnba whether that's the mlb whether that's the nfl all of them are constantly growing um whether or not you think so and at completely different rates um but the nba in the last few decades has grown more than all of these other leagues i mean worldwide the nba has has created so much more hype 
than a lot of these leagues have been able to do. And that is why they're able to pay their players so much. And I think uh, something people don't always realize is, well, why are these players getting paid these ridiculous amounts of money when, you know, someone doing XYZ job that's important to society isn't? Well, it's because of how much money is in the league. I mean, this is, we're talking multi-billion dollar just teams. Mm-hmm. Just teams. Yep. Um, so when you talk about the NBA as a whole, I mean, that's billions upon billions of dollars that they have at their disposal. Because, you know, you could take four max contract players and their full contracts and you're already at a billion. And that's because of how much money goes in. They need to pay those players a fair amount. Like if the if the owners were getting millions of dollars from just ticket sales, they can't just keep all of that. They have to pay the players fairly because they know how much money is going into the team. And that's why minimums exist. And that's why maxes exist. And that's why the cap exists. Um, and so, you know, you have to pay these players all kinds of money, even if maybe they're not the best player on your team. And so, you know, you come back to Jalen Brown now, the Boston Celtics, like I said, have been really successful. So they have a lot of money at their disposal. Um, it's a little bit more precise than like the MLB, for example, in that regard. Um, but, They've, like I said, they've had success, and a lot of that is because of Jalen Brown being there. Do they make the the finals two years in a row, or you know, at least conference finals two years in a row without Jalen Brown? Probably not. Um, and so you keep him in town to try to consistently contend, and they definitely are still contending, and even with the moves that they made. So you know, it's crazy that these guys get paid this much, but my point is you have to pay them that much to be fair just because these leagues are worth so much money and each team is worth so much money. Um, I mean, Michael Jordan just sold his share of the Hornets for a couple billion dollars. So, you know, if that kind of money exists, these players are going to get a chunk of that. And that's just their contracts. We're not even talking about, you know, their sponsorships through, you know, Nike, Adidas, Puma, whoever it may be. Because they're making all kinds of money on that end, too, that doesn't impact the cap, of course. Um, so, you know, there's, n- there isn't a better time to be an athlete than right now. And you say that every single year because more and more money is coming into these leagues. Yeah, I'd argue the only better time to be an athlete is 10 years from now. True. Because I can only imagine the contracts that are being given out as the leagues continue to grow. The big theme here is revenue. You mentioned it, the sports are growing. Even sports that were on the downturn, like baseball, everyone said baseball's stagnant, it's not growing. Baseball just posted their highest attendance, midweek attendance numbers, not including a holiday, since like 20 years. Like they're posting massive, massive, even midweek numbers. It always used to be who's going to go to a late night baseball game on a Tuesday when you worked all day. That's changing. People are going to these sporting events in all leagues, people are going to sporting events, and it's been great to see for one. But for the actual team side of things, that means you're getting a lot more revenue, which means, like you said, the cap's going up, which means you're going to pay players more, which means stuff like this with Jalen Brown, that just becomes the next thing. Every team, oh, they have a star, we're going to give them the max. Why? Because it's what we do. Your player's going to be happy. It shows 
people around the league that, hey, we take care of our players here. They've earned it. We're going to give them the money they've earned. And if it comes back to bite us a little bit on the back end, so be it. Because they've earned this contract. They've done well by us. So we're going to do well by them. This happens really in any cap sport, especially in football and basketball. You see this type of stuff all the time. It's very commonplace occurrence. You're going to keep seeing it. I think the reason why this really is so big compared to others is because it is labeled the you know biggest contract in basketball history, which is true. But when you think about it in terms of kind of the way we described it as commonplace, as next man up, as, yeah, that makes sense. He deserved it. He's the next guy in line to get this big deal. Then it then you say, okay, it makes a little more sense. We're going to see guys like this next year or the year after that. It's going to happen again. And, you know, we're in that time of year where there's a lot of different contracts being offered to a lot of different athletes. Um, you know, Messi just signed with um, Inter-Miami and he's playing Thank really you. well there. Yes. Um, so he's showing he's worth the money. He's already in what, two or three matches been proving how great he is. Um, Mbappe was just offered almost a billion to go to that team for one year. He already said he's not entertaining it. Um, I, I don't know how you. He's better how, than me why. because if, if, someone was offering, if someone was offering me that much money to play somewhere for one year. I don't care where I'm. I would play in Antarctica if, if that's yeah, how much yeah. money you're offering me. Seven hundred and six. Yeah, real quick aside. I want to let's throw this in here. Seven hundred and seventy-six million dollars for one I, year. Because we're talking yeah. about a basketball contract yeah. that's three hundred and four for five years, sixty million dollars a year. We say that's ridiculous. Yeah. Seven hundred and seventy-six million dollars for one year. If he had signed there, would have been the biggest contract in sports history by far, and it probably would never get passed. Probably in the next in our lifetime, probably would be my guess for one year. Yeah, for one. Yeah, year. no, I, I'd be, I'd be gone. I'd, I'd gone. How much? Seven yeah. gone. I just, bye, guys. Oh yeah, I'm cool. hopping on a plane immediately nope. as soon as that offer comes yeah. in. Uh, the reason why a lot of these guys don't want to do it is because the the Saudi Arabian soccer league um, isn't isn't great. It's not world renowned. It's not very massive. Don't. You're gonna get a lot of so- <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of Saudi born players yeah. that are gonna play in that league. And so what they want to do because they have a lot of money in Saudi Arabia, they're trying to get a lot of these big name players to go play there. It's why they're offering them these big deals. And the players yeah. say, I'm not going to be super marketable there. How many people are going to have access and want to watch my games? Am I going to grow my brand? Some of the stuff that they're looking for, that's why they say no. Um, but, you know, Mbappe's uh, a better man than I because um, I would I would go and get my bag. Um, and then after a year, you know, maybe I'd come back. But I'd come back $776 million richer. So yeah. that is a deal that I have to take. I saw Draymond Green say he'll switch sports if they sign. Giannis made a joke about it too, but but Draymond got a response from I don't know somebody associated with the team or something like that. I'm not sure, but he was basically like, "If you bring Steph Curry, we'll we'll throw you a bag, but if you're it's just you, we don't want you." Mm. Um, which I thought was really funny. Um, but you know, while we're talking about historic contracts. Um, Justin Herbert from, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers of the NFL um, just signed, I think, yesterday. 
Correct. A five-year, yes. two hundred sixty-two and a half million dollar contract um, with a sixteen point two-ish signing bonus, sixteen point two million dollar signing bonus. Um, two hundred eighteen point seven million is guaranteed, so it's an average annual salary of fifty-two point five million dollars. Um, so huge contract. He deserves it. Um, the team isn't great, but he has been pretty great. Um, Whoa, I, I, I would slow down on that one. I, they're going to be a playoff team. Oh, this year. I they just mean the last some. couple. I think his winning, I think his winning record with them is like 50% or the, the is my, what I meant. That is correct. The record yeah. isn't great. Yeah. Um, that's they, what I meant. Yes, <laughs> I like the yeah. Chargers. Yeah, you're good. I, I, the, the record, his record isn't great they right. have much much immense talent on that charger oh team. yeah the problem is um charger gonna charger and if yeah. you follow football you know exactly what i mm-hmm. just they're said. one of those teams they're like every, they're like the suns historically of just yeah like, every single year something happens they could yeah. be having a great year and then three games later the wheels fell off the wagon yeah and, and it's not going anywhere and that's just mm-hmm charger football for you and so um i think they'll be good this year but but back to the contract i like i had talked about with Jalen brown this this is the next man up this is the Mm -hmm. next quarterback getting paid it doesn't surprise me joe burrow is going to be next Mm -hmm. um when he signs his contract um could be tomorrow in a couple weeks could be a couple months i don't know whenever he does um, unless he goes to the front office and says, I will take less so we can keep the team together. Which um, he would. Talk, which he might. He's talked about really putting an emphasis on the team. Yeah. If he doesn't, I don't blame him. Like he can do whatever oh, he same. wants. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't ask for that, he'll get more than Herbert. He deserves more than Herbert because he's Agreed. done more than Herbert. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is another okay, next man up, he's next in the line to get this big contract. Mm-hmm. The NFL, as long as you are young and have showed promise, you are going to top the market. Yep. And the reason I say that is because guys like Daniel Jones, the Giants, still got paid a lot of money, but he didn't break the market because he wasn't as good as some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, they're not going to break the market. Because their age, one, they're not as young as some of these guys, and two, they haven't shown the amount of pure talent. And you know, you pay based on your future. They haven't shown that yet, so they won't get as big of those deals. But with all these young guys, we saw Jalen Hurts got paid, Justin Herbert got paid, Joe Burrow's going to get paid. I think some of these next guys, even after him, is Justin Fields going to be a staple for the Bears? he might have to go get paid in two years. Like yeah. there's, there's a number of these young guys that are coming up. Trevor Lawrence looks really good a year from now. Are we going to be seeing him get a big extension after his third year? We're going to see a lot of that going on. Regardless, this is a, this is a situation again, the chargers had to do. This was expected. We knew this was coming. The cap's going up every year. So right. it looks like a lot now in two years is going to be more, not not even average. That's not the right word, but more commonplace. Mm-hmm. So that, like, hey, we paid our quarterback, and in two years, the highest quarterback will be making like sixty a year. Yeah, 
So like you'll look back at it and be like, hey, we jumped out in front. We got it done. Now we just got to live with it. Yeah. And um, I, you know, GCU doesn't have a football team, so you have to follow other college football teams. I love the Ducks. Uh, a lot of my family went to Oregon, so I've always liked Justin Herbert. I'm always rooting for the guy. Glad he got his bag. Um, but with that being said, you know, these these contracts that we're talking about with 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 Herbert, with Jalen Brown are extensions. So they don't they don't like apply until next year. They still have another year of their contract before that hits their cap. Um, but you know, you saw a situation uh, last year with the Suns of they didn't offer Aiton an extension right away. And so it causes all of this drama of, well, does the team even want him? Are they going to try to trade him? Are they going to match when he signs somewhere else? Which, of course, they did. Um, and you mentioned it earlier. I just want to address it now is, you know, the NFL – and the NBA are not in season right now. And yet you're seeing the extensions happen right now to avoid all that mess. You want to sign your top guys like immediately. Um, I think the situation with Aiden was a little bit different than these guys just because, um, you know, it he's not the top guy on the team. Neither is Jalen Brown, but it's just a different it's different. You know, because the Suns had D-Book and Chris Paul and then Aiton's there. Some, it, sometimes it felt like that. Um, with the Celtics, it's it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and then other dudes. And so you have to sign that second guy. Um, with Justin Herbert, the quarterback is the most important position in football, period. Yes. I mean, there's there's no there's no discussion with that. And so you have to pay your number one guy. Um, and so, you know those situations are, are things you're going to extend immediately because you cannot risk that guy not playing at his best because he's thinking about something else. I think the Ravens really messed that up with Lamar Jackson, um, but they eventually gave him his bag. Um, but their team didn't have the success that maybe they would have if he, if there wasn't this big distraction and that doesn't even just impact the player that might sign the contract. That's impacting your entire team. If one of your top I mean, with Lamar Jackson, that's your top guy. But with your top two, three guy, um, kind of on the limb of, is this the last time he's playing here? What is he playing for um, at this point? Because at the end of the day, this is these guys' jobs. This is their livelihood. This is the livelihood of their family for potentially generations to come. And so if, you know, money is kind of a question you're not going to get the best play from this guy because he's not feeling comfortable in where he's at. Aiden went and signed with the Pacers and then the Suns matched his contract. That's terrifying as an organization to even let that happen. And so you see the Chargers and you see the Boston Celtics do the right thing and not allow that to even be in question. You talked about Burrow since he's definitely going to do that very soon. Like you said, that could be, tomorrow we don't know um if they don't if they wait they're stupid because that team always has potential as long as they have burrow at the helm i think i just saw today that maybe he messed up his ankle i hope not yeah he has a little bit of a calf strain doesn't look oh, like it's calf? Oh, okay uh, i he didn't hear maybe, an update on that so. yeah no it's just a calf strain 
Um, it was non-contact. Anytime you mm-hmm. see that, you yeah. your heart kind of sinks in the sports world. Um, it was non-contact, just a calf strain. He's Good. probably going to sit out most of the preseason as he probably would anyway. Yeah. Um, maybe played in one game a quarter or so just to make sure he's he's all right going into the year. But probably stay out most of the preseason. Should be good to go by week one is uh, the general consensus among NFL people. Not that that so would have impacted his contract at all. No, but, no. Um, you know, you just you hope for the best for those guys. Um, so I really like Burrow also. I just think he's a cool dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, contracts, you know, this podcast is, this episode is definitely different than our other episodes because we don't usually talk contracts so in depth. Um, but contracts at the end of the day are so vital to your team, your team's success. Um, you want to spend money and spend the right money on the right guys to get the job done. Um, and I think the extensions that we talked about that have already happened or that will happen um, are good for their situations. Um, and, you know, of, like I said, like like the kind of the theme of this episode, it's a business and business is booming for professional sports. Uh, you know, they're like I said, you know, they're constantly growing. And so money is going to be more of a thing that they can spend. But with like caps and stuff like that, as they increase, just each individual player is going to get paid more as opposed to being able to just sign more dudes. That's not how that works. Um, And, you know, everything is done to regulate it so that, you know, you don't have a team that has like four guys signed for half a million dollars. Um, but it's still a lot of money for, for us. But you, like I oh, yeah. said, you have to put it into perspective of how much these leagues are making. Um, and you know, that's unfortunately why you see such a huge pay gap between the WNBA and the NBA, um, which is a subject I'm very passionate about, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, the NBA gets way more revenue. Um, I think more people should be into the WNBA. All right. It's super fun league to watch and they are growing exponentially. Women's sports is growing exponentially. Um, thanks to like college, uh, basketball getting more love. Uh, the WNBA is getting more love, which you love to see that. Um, so their cap is going up really a lot. Um, but you know, these players are signing for much less than the men. And that's simply a revenue based that it's, it's revenue based. The WNBA doesn't bring in nearly the crowds that the NBA does. And so you see the NBA players signing these contracts for $304 million for five years when the highest paid WNBA player is making about $200,000 a year. Um, and that's simply because of how the size of the leagues. And in the scheme of things, the WNBA is new. I mean, th- we're talking 1997. The NBA has been around for over 75 years. Oh, so, yeah. you know, the leagues that are new, you know, talking about w- NWSL as well, um, are these newer leagues that are growing. And as they grow, these players will get more money. The players that are playing in the early days of these leagues are sacrificing money in order to 
set it up for people in front of them. And that's what you always, always see at the professional level is more guys making more money constantly. As you talked about this, Justin Herbert contract in 10 years won't look as big as it does right now. Um, same with Jalen Brown, same with all of these guys making millions upon millions of dollars a year um, because they're setting a precedent that is then topped, that is then topped, that is then topped as more and more money come into these leagues. Yeah, I think I think it's always famously said records are meant to be broken. And whether you want to slap that on a bumper sticker or use it as a life motto, I don't care what you do with that. But records are meant to be broken. People are going to set these financial records and then people are going to go break them. That's just what we're going to see. It's You mentioned it. It's all about revenue. Revenue is the driving factor in really all of this and all of sports. It's all about revenue, whether it's revenue into a cap system like it is with most sports, whether or it's revenue into a really spending in an owner's equity market like a baseball or a soccer, regardless of what it is, revenue is the driving force behind everything. It's what moves everything forward. And as long as there's money in the world and people wanting to go watch sports, revenue is going to be huge in everything. And I've wanted to talk about NIL, and I feel like this kind of opens the door for that a little bit. Um, NIL, for people that don't know, is name image likeness. It is the rules that regulate what college athletes can and cannot do with their name image and likeness to make money. Um, the restrictions until a couple years ago were very, very tight. They basically couldn't make money over the table anyway um, without huge sanctions to their team and to them as athletes. And so right as NIL was getting really at its peak of people talking about it, you saw um, you saw players opting not to go to college, top players, especially basketball players, opting not to go to college, opting instead to go to the G League, which is basically like minor league basketball, um, for those who don't know. Um or going to play overseas in Australia, for example. Um, I think it's called the NBL over there. Um, and that's so that they could make money. And the NCAA said, oh, shoot, we're losing top you know, five-star athletes because we're not paying them at all. Like, we're not allowing them to make any money. So then all the rules change. And now these guys can get sponsors from pretty much anywhere and make money. And so now the NCAA is like, phew, you know, we avoided a big thing. And so as these college players make money at the collegiate level, you're going to see them make even more money once they go pro, because otherwise they're not going to want to go pro. They're not going to go one and done because they're making more money Sometimes, depending on the level, obviously, if you're a number one draft pick, it's not like that. But if you're a middle tier type D1 athlete, you might want to stay D1 for an extra year or two if you're making more money from your NIL stuff than if you were to enter the draft. And so that's going to be really interesting in the next decade or so as this rule stays in place. Um, and also the, the transfer portal kind of changed at the same time where these guys can go wherever they want. Um Money is a huge driving factor now in the NCAA, which is going to make it even more important once they make that jump 
to the big leagues of whether that's NFL, whether that's um, NBA, WNBA, whatever it is um, to be like, Oh shoot, these guys are used to making this amount of money. We might need to catch up. I actually want to touch on the point that you just made. I think it's a great point. And it's something that I heard really recently, especially with in the context where I heard it was in football, the running back market right now, running backs aren't really getting paid as much. Because right. they're like, hey, we can just plug in a seventh round draft pick who's going to play hard, play really well, and he's going to bridge the gap. Instead of me paying my top running back 13 a year, I'll pay this guy $2 million a year. I'll put the $11 million difference into other positions, and I'll still be as good. You know, I may make a little drop-off, but the drop-off's minimal, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's the context. But what I heard was exactly what you mentioned. Players deciding, I'm going to stay in college longer. Instead of coming out in football, you're either coming out when you're a junior or a senior. Instead of coming out when I'm a junior, I'm going to play that extra year, make that money then. Then I'll come out and and after my senior year when I'm fully done, then I'll come out. Basketball might be similar. Again, depending on where you're picked. If you're 1-1, then okay, you're going to come out anyway. But if you're a lower second round pick, why would you only, I would come out when I'm a senior. I'm not going to make that much money. There's no guarantee I'm even going to make the team. I may just dance around the G League for a year on a two-way contract, and then I'm overseas, and I'm never coming back. So I, I might as well make all the money that I can in college. And and I'm not privy to the landscape of the NIL. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers of what these players are making even those guys on the lower end of things. But assuming it's something, I I wouldn't be quick to leave my position. I'd want to play as long as I can, hone my skills for as long as I can, be as, get better consistently as long as I can. And then finally, when it's time for me to go, instead of, uh, or excuse me, instead of when it's time for me to go, I'm just going to go to the league when I'm older, when I'm 22. Why would I go to the league when I'm 19, a freshman, barely know what I'm doing? Oh, turns out I'm not great. Maybe I'm on a one-and-one or two-way contract, and then I you know, spoil out of control. I can't do anything. Come out when I'm 22, I'm grown. I've learned things. I've got a little bit of money from my NIL deal, and now I can spin that into either playing, maybe I really am fond of coaching, maybe I'm fond of a front office role. Either way, I think staying in college to get some of that NIL money is smart. And you mentioned it, but I think we're going to start to see more of a trend to do that, especially with, I think the NIL money really is going to keep growing as the athletes do. I think we're going to see more just like in the other sports we talked about. It's all about revenue. As the revenue increases in the college landscape and in the college market, I think we might see more of these larger NIL deals get done. And that's better for not only the top players on the market, but also the guys at the bottom. Because if the guys at the top are making more, the guys at the bottom are making more just because of how the money is spread out through all the players. Right. And I think... um... I think, like I said earlier, you know, when you look at this in a decade, maybe then we'll see the impact. Um, and I think one of those impacts, besides how it impacts 
pro leagues and how much they pay guys. Um, and like, I think, I think it impacts mid majors, um, a lot. Um, and, and for those who don't know, you have, you know, for basketball specifically, there's around 300, uh, D one men's basketball teams in the country. Um, so obviously not all of those are big schools, like your USC's, like your UCLA's, like Texas, you know, those big schools are what are called power five. Um, and then schools like GCU and those schools that they play against primarily and, um, Denver and schools like that are what is called mid major. So they're still D one level and still match up with these big schools. Um, but they're just smaller schools. Um, so there's they these mid majors are probably going to get impacted a lot in the scheme of things by these NIL rules because there's not as much money to be made there you're not the exposure isn't as big certain companies that maybe want to give these athletes money might hesitate if they're in a small market um and so i think maybe you'll see kind of a talent gap even bigger than what we already kind of see between mid-majors and power fives. And so I think the question is kind of, especially as the power five conference landscape is changing a ton right now of schools leaving their, uh, leaving their conferences, um, which you see a lot more at the mid-major level. Um, you're seeing that now at, at the power five, um, specifically to do with the PAC 12, um, schools just aren't making very much money off of their media deals with the PAC 12. And so we just saw, I think yesterday, Colorado announced they're going back to the big 12. Mm -hmm. Um, That's correct. Yeah. And so uh, the PAC 12 is kind of falling apart, uh, which as I said earlier, I'm a duck fan. So I kind of hate to see that, um, but I understand. And again, it's a money thing. And so when it doesn't even just impact the school and how much money the school is making off of these media deals, um, which are extremely complicated and multi-million dollar, of course. Um, but you're also seeing the players for those schools being impacted by those media deals because the bigger the media deal, the more likely these players are to get an NIL deal just be, or a bigger NIL deal or more NIL deals, however that works, um, just because the market is bigger. Um, you know, For example, GCU is in the Western Athletic Conference, mid-major conference. Um, they have a deal with ESPN plus. So all of their home broadcasts go there. Um, whereas another conference like the sec, um, I believe has a deal with Fox. Um, that's, you know, going on TV as opposed to just being on an, a website. And so that is a ridiculous amount of money difference. Um, and so those players are getting way more exposure as well. And so they might make more money. And so they might be less likely to go to a mid-major school just because they know they can make more NIL money at the bigger schools that have bigger contracts. And so I think we're going to see, um, I think we're going to see future media deals be even more insane than they already have been in the past, just to try to um, almost indirectly pay players to come to their school. I, I think ultimately, as big of a driving force for college athletes as money is and money can be, ultimately, number one is going to be playing time. Because you could form an almost super team, if you will, 
especially in basketball, you can almost form a super team of people. But at the end of the day, there's only one ball. If you have two or three five-star point guards, there's not enough playing time to go around. So they may sit there for a year and enjoy that money. Whatever, whichever one of the three, maybe even two of them, are at the bottom of the bucket, they're going to leave. Like No matter how much money they're making, they're going to go elsewhere. Because they're... You know, their goal is to go to the NBA. That's what their future is. And so if three of them are on the same team, well, there's just not enough playing time for that to happen. I think you see that now even across mid-majors. How many people transfer to or from GCU based on playing time? I've seen a lot of players be like, oh, wow, they're really cool. And then they transfer and they leave. Well, why? They were playing. Well, maybe they weren't going to play as much. Maybe we have guys coming in and they're just not going to play as much. So they'd rather go to a different school, get more playing time. I don't blame them at all for doing that. I just, it's interesting when I see it because I, as good, much of a driving force, as I mentioned, that money is playing time, I think will always trump it when it comes to college sports, just because there is a goal of getting to the next level. Once you get to the next level and you're in the NFL or the NBA, your goal is to become great in that sport. Cool. Awesome. It's perfect. But money-wise, I just, like, you're already there. I, and you're going to earn money, really, when you're there. I just think playing time is a massive factor as well. And that'll deter some people from going to the big schools all of the time to prevent log jams at certain positions. And um, yeah, going pro is a huge part of it. Um, and you also have to consider that, you know, it's a very select few of the population that gets to say they're a professional athlete. Um, and, you know, there's thousands of di just division one um, athletes. Um, but amongst all NCAA student athletes, um, fewer than 2% go pro, whatever it's, that's all sports. Um, and so, you know, I think for most athletes, it's definitely a, um, I want to go pro thing. Um, but the sad part is, you know, their NIL deals might be the most money they make in their career because they don't go pro. Um, and so I, th I think, as we've said, NIL deals are, are have already impacted the transfer portal and impacted guys' decisions on where they want to play and how long they want to play. Um, guys and girls, excuse me. Um, you know, it's already made huge impacts. Um, you see a lot of athletes now making money off of social media as well because they can. Um, TikTok or, you know, Instagram, whatever that may be. Um, I've seen Angel Reese do like 20 uh, sponsored posts in the last couple months um, after her huge, um, you know, postseason in women's basketball. Um, you've seen Sedona Prince doing that for a couple years. Um, you've seen um, tons of athletes at all kinds of different skill levels and all kinds of different sports making money off of these NIL deals. Um, and a lot of them might not go pro. Um, Angel Reese, not an example of that. She will for sure. But, um, you know, it's just interesting the things that, uh, and opportunities that 
this kind of money appearing uh, seemingly overnight after the NIL deals um, were after those rules were finalized a few years ago, um, the opportunities that student athletes now have. And I think um, that'll keep athletes playing, even if they know they're not going to go pro. Um, you know, I played in high school and I stopped kind of early because I didn't really see it taking myself anywhere. And also I'm five foot six and I played basketball. So, you know, I wasn't really tall enough to go D1 uh, unless I was a crazy shooter, which I wasn't. So, however, if I had known about these NIL deals, maybe I would have taken whatever offer I got just to ride the bench and maybe make a little bit of money. Um, so, you know, it, it might keep people playing longer, um, whether or not they have uh, pro ceiling, which I did not. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting topic, and I, I'm glad we finally talked about it because I've been like looking at it as soon as it became a thing. Um, I was a huge advocate for college players getting paid for as pretty much as long as I was old enough to understand what money was. Um, I think you know these colleges make these colleges, no matter the level, are making millions of dollars off of their athletes. The athletes should see a little of that. Um, and so I'm glad that they do now. Um, but, you know, it definitely changes the landscape for smaller schools, even for big schools and for uh, pro leagues as well. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, you mentioned a lot of it. It's a good move. It's something good to see for the student athletes to be able to get a little money uh, in different ways. I think the regulation of it could be a little better. And I think they're working toward getting to that point, but it's a good move regardless. Like you mentioned, it's getting money back really in the athlete's hands instead of all of it, just going to the schools and donors and whatnot. It's a good move. It's good to see for them. And we'll continue to watch it as it grows and because and becomes something really different. You know, we'll see, what avenues are explored and how it changes in the coming years. And I think with that being said, we'll end our episode that was sort of accidentally about contracts. Um, to be honest, Anthony and I didn't even know what we were recording today. So we, I'm surprised we got an almost an hour out of it. Um, but we did. And, you know, I think this won't, this definitely won't be our last episode that has to do with contracts. Um, just because, as we mentioned, I mean, they're just such a big thing. Um, I think maybe we'll have another episode about NIL deals and, and stuff like that. Um, but for that being said, thank you guys uh, so much for listening to episode seven and one through six. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, follow us on social media. I'm at Chelsea underscore underscore mend. He's an at Anthony Ferrero seven. Uh, follow at TFC underscore sports underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram for updates. Um, and yeah, I mean, with that being said, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, rate us five stars on whatever you're listening on since we have more than just Spotify now. And we will talk to you guys at some point next week because I'm moving, so I'm not really sure what my schedule looks like. But uh, we will get an episode to you within at least like a week and a half from now.